In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly King, Paraclete, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good and master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we're going to look at the last um, verses of chapter 19. That would be 38 to 42, the actual burial of Jesus. And then, uh, we're going to look at uh, the beginnings of the resurrection appearances. Uh, after and after the break. So the text goes, after these things, Meditaufta, all that um, John has just said, all the way down to the piercing of our Lord's side with the lance. And the text, the two texts that he uh, frames that with, the text from Psalm 69, I thirst, meaning I thirst that this be totally accomplished for your glory and for the salvation of all my brothers and sisters, you see. And then at the end, uh, that he says that the scriptures be fulfilled, and that he handed over the Spirit, which is not really a um, direct quote, but it's um, alluding to that whole theme of the poured out uh, Spirit, which is the, um, we've talked about many times, it, it's the, uh, that theme in the Old Testament of the pouring out of the Spirit is what John is referring to when he says that Jesus will baptize in the Spirit. It's a way of saying, this one coming will bring all of God's work to its promised completion. Uh, using a phrase from the prophets, as we've seen. Now, uh, he handed over the Spirit. Then the text says, Joseph of Arimathea, which is a bit north and uh, east, um, being a disciple of Jesus, we never heard about that before, but a hidden one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus. And Pilate allowed it. That's not common. The body of somebody crucified was usually treated rather ignominiously. And so the contrast begins right away. This crucified criminal is going to have a regular burial. Uh, perhaps I should, I may have already done this, but try to describe the, um, the method of burial. Uh, tombs in that part of the world are, are, um, uh, dug out of rock. The rock is soft, but when it's exposed to the air, it gets hard. Um, kind of a tufa, the same sort of thing you see in the catacombs, but not, not as soft as that. Um, there are two rooms. There's the front room, and then the burial or, or um, confiding place in the back. So the body is placed there in the front on a slab. There are two stone slabs on either side. If you ever go to the Holy Land, ask them to take you to Bethany, to the Franciscan Monastery. They'll let you in 
And in their broad garden, there's a perfect example of one of these first century tombs. It's nice to see it. It helps you when you're reading and meditating on the scriptures. Whenever I read about this, I see that tomb. And so there's this room with a, a, a bank, you know, a, a place of rest on either side. And then there's a room in back of that where there are places for uh, what they call the ossuary. Now, the body is placed in the first part until it decomposes. And then when only the bones are left, the bones are picked up, put into this ossuary, and then the, they are put in the back. So, Jesus was placed in a tomb which, in which no one had ever been laid before. And he was placed there, you know, wrapped in these cloths on one side or the other of that uh, first room. Then, the, the, uh, there's a big, looks like a great big grinding mill, you know. It's about that thick and about um, three or four feet high. A big round stone. And it's in a track. And so after the body's placed in there to close the two, they roll that stone across. And then, in this case, seal it. Nobody's, if anybody's fooling with this, we're going to see it. Uh, and then, as you know, the soldiers were placed there to make sure that nobody did anything. Uh, they were afraid of Jesus. He had, pre- he had predicted his resurrection and they were afraid it might happen, I guess, or they were afraid that somebody might fake it. So anyway, that's where Jesus was, okay? So, he comes along and he asks for the body. That Pilate would cede this request. Actually, it's amazing, given that custom that they just throw the bodies in a dump heap or something, purposely degrading them, that Pilate, this very weak and vacillating man, at least gets that little bit of revenge on the Jews who forced him into this by giving the body to Joseph of Arimathea, um, who puts it in one of these tombs that I've just described. Um, now, Nicodemus also came. That's the one who came in the remember, back in chapter 3. Um, Nicodemus came. Uh, the one, as, as he, John identifies him for us, who first came to him at night. Now, as I say, it's Nakdimon ben Gurion, the member of a very wealthy and devout family in Jerusalem, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. That's a lot. Now, if we, even if we take that word uh, and translate it, it would be 65 or 70 pounds anyway. That's a lot. And myrrh and aloes. Huh? Uh, one is preservative and the other is sweet-smelling. Um, then they took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the custom with the Jews for burying. Now, that was a royal burial. This criminal is given a royal burial because he is the king. And John is very careful to give us all these details so that we'll see that. Um, There was in the place where he was crucified a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which as yet no one had been laid. There then, because of the preparation day of the Jews, because it was near the tomb, 
they laid Jesus. And so, um, there were many reasons why that had to be expedited. That's why the Jews first asked that the bones of those crucified be broken. A person could hang there for days in this incredible pain, always heisting himself up so that he could breathe and finally collapsing and can't do it anymore and dies of asphyxiation. So breaking the legs hastens that process. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead. And so the soldier, uh, maybe just to make sure, maybe to make if Pilate said, did you make sure they were all dead? Uh, and John, making sure that you knew that he was dead, tells us about this. But from that spear lance uh, comes blood and water. And so there you have the, uh, the passion and the Holy Spirit. And as it says in the preface, uh, for the Mass of the Sacred Heart, uh, those are the fountain, those two, this is the blood and the water, are the fountain of the sacramental life in the Church. And so, uh, that's why they did it that way. Now, we have, so in the first part, we have this allusion to a royal burial, mere and aloes. Um, and um, quantities, and a tomb just for himself, not a tomb with anybody else in it. Uh, that's all royalty. And then, you see, uh, he's in a garden. Now, if you're biblically sensitive, garden. First, the first garden. The reason what happened in that first garden is why now he's being buried in a tomb in another garden. Um, and so that's being evoked, you see, by saying this. He's being buried in a garden. All right. And then, there then, because of the preparation day of the Jews, because it was near the tomb, they laid Jesus. Now, that must mean it belonged to somebody. Probably Joseph. The tradition is it belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. Um, there are strong traditions circulating around that um, which are still extant, you know, about Joseph and about Nicodemus. Um, and there they laid Jesus. That is the end of the story. But it's not. We all know that. There, God himself lies in a tomb. He could give us no more. He poured out every ounce of blood and water for us. He died for us. This is God. The main triumph of life is to experience the love that motivated that. When that happens, nothing is hard anymore. Of course it's hard, but it's not hard the same way. Even St. Therese asked the Lord, oh, please take it easy, once in a while. Um, but it's not hard the same way, because there's love. And that love 
is a share in Jesus' love. And we see it. When St. Thomas starts to talk about this kind of love, he always gives the example of a mother for a child. Two o'clock in the morning and that baby's crying. She gets up. She doesn't give him a, you know, a, this would be the word, some dope, put him to sleep, or a sleeping pill. She holds him. And that is mediated to that child, I love you. And that's God, through the mother, mediating this kind of love. So it's worth meditating on Jesus in the tomb. What does that mean? You see? Uh, he is dead. In the Apostles' Creed, we say he descended into hell, which means he went down to the abode of the dead. We don't know much about that. They didn't either. But human instinct always puts it like under the ground. Oh, the, you know, the, the Syrians, the Akkadians, everybody put it like under the ground. Someplace down there, there's this abyss. And they're all there. He went down there. If I had thought of it before this moment, on the, in the breviary for Holy Saturday, there is this reading, beautiful, poetic, mystical reading. Jesus is down there and he's looking for Adam and Eve and he finds them. And he says, come my father, come my mother, come with me. And he pulls them out. From And then what you see in the icons, you see the tomb opened up, not the kind I described, because the icon painters didn't know that kind. Top off the tomb, and Jesus pulling Adam and Eve out of the tomb. I love you. You are my mother and father. You are my ancestors, and I bring you out, as my father promised you on the day you sinned, that there'd be a, an enmity between you and the woman, between you, the, the serpent seed, and her seed. And I am her seed, and I have conquered you, Satan. And so, come out. It's a beautiful, and the, and the beautiful text, you know, he went looking for them, found them, and so forth. And down in the abode of the dead, and brought them out. And if you look, oh, another thing I could have done, it's too late now, I have an icon, but they're common. And then if you go to any Eastern Rite Church during Easter time, you'll see that the icon of the resurrection, Jesus taking Adam and Eve out of the tomb, standing on the top of it, the victor, pulling them out. That's what this is all about. 